I want to address something today, and I, and I come in a little bit of, of fear and trembling, not before you, but before God, because his word is terrifying to me when I see that I don't line up, when I see that we don't line up. It's it, like, my, like my heart is pounding on my chest right now, because my, my, God is so stinking good. <laughs> Forgive me for sounding so crass, but he's so good, and I want to line up with what his word says. Amen? And so what I want to talk about today um, is a topic that I, by myself, cannot convince you of. It's got to be this birth in you by the Holy Spirit. That's any topic, really. Like, the Holy Spirit has to put this in your heart. So are you willing to receive from him today? Good. Good. So the subject today, in the midst of prayer and fasting month, keeping prayer and fasting in mind, what I want to talk to you today is the topic of faith, okay? And it's this topic of faith, and it's this topic that has boggled my mind as I read the scripture over and over and over again, and I still we, I just cannot wrap my head around what the scripture paints for us as far as it comes to our faith and how we interact with God, and how God responds to our faith. It's mind-boggling to me. Um, faith. So open to Joshua, Old Testament. Joshua, about that far in. Joshua chapter 1. So you guys know who Joshua is? Oh, thank you. You got those up there. Now I got a clicker. Thanks, Oliver. Joshua 1, 1 to 6. That should help you out so I don't have to explain it so much. So Joshua is the guy who is coming after Moses. You know Moses. He's kind of a big deal. He, like, led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. He knew God. He had the encounter with God on Mount Sinai so that he was glowing afterwards. He trusted God. He allowed God to use him in mighty ways. That Moses has now died because he messed up late in life, even with all that amazing stuff. He wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, and now his assistant, Joshua, he would be the one who would be commissioned to lead Israel into the promised land. And so this is Joshua, and this is his commission, and we're going to read the first six verses here together. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Can you imagine getting promises like this? Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. 
So God is speaking to Joshua here, and he's speaking this commission. Joshua, it is your job now. It is, you have this mantle. You get to take the Israelites into the promised land. This thing that has, you guys have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. This promised thing that everybody's been looking forward to. You're going to be the guy to take it there. And not only that, in the same way that I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Like, these are some big promises, Massive, massive promises. And so he says, you're going to have to go into this place. Joshua was one of the spies that went in and saw these giants in the land of Canaan. And Joshua came back from that when Moses was still alive. And Joshua was one of the two that said, we got this because I know who God is. We got this because I know who God is. And now Joshua, he's going to be in charge of this thing. Do you think it would take some faith to lead a people into an inhabited land, just a ragtag bunch of wanderers, a lot of them, mind you, to lead them into this promised land? Do you think that it's going to require some faith? Like, yes, it's going to require a massive amount of faith. They walk across the Jordan just like they walked across the Red Sea. We often talk about the Red Sea. We often forget that Israel did that twice. (laughs) And Joshua led led them through that time. Joshua was a man of faith. Do you remember the name of the city, the very first city they took when they got into the land? Jericho, that's right, Jericho. Some of you went to Sunday school, very good. So they took Jericho. How did they take Jericho? They marched around for seven days, and then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times, and they blew their trumpets. Like, great battle plan, guys. No, but God told them to do it, and they stepped out and obeyed in faith. In faith. And if you read, if you read these stories, you're like, how on earth do these guys and gals, because there was ladies there too. How did they have this kind of faith? Like, how, does, how do you get to that place where you hear, hear something from the Lord, and I'm, I, I, like, where you hear something from the Lord, and you just go for it in faith? Because you know what? This, this book that we're looking at is hearing something from the Lord. Will you go for it? Plus, Jesus' sheep hears his voice, he knows them, and they follow him, and he's speaking to you too. And are you going to follow it? And listen, do you have that kind of faith? So how did they get this faith? I want to propose that it's this, and it comes from way back in Exodus chapter 33. So we see that Moses has set up the tent of meeting. And just outside where the Israelites were camped in the wilderness, Moses sets up this tent of meeting. And it's the place where the glory of God would come and it would be known and other people could see it. The glory of God would come when Moses went into this tent of meeting. It says that everybody else, they would go to the entrances of their tents and they would watch like, whoa, Moses is in the tent. Something awesome is happening right now because he's meeting with God. And then there's this little footnote in Exodus 33 There's this little footnote that this young guy, Joshua, he was tagging along, apparently. 
He was tagging along with Moses for these meetings with God in the tent of meeting. Now, anybody could go to this tent of meeting. People would go there, but when Moses went, it was special. And now Joshua would go with Moses. And so this is what it says about the tent of meeting. Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went to the tent, okay, like pause there. What kind of a culture do you have? Like, and whenever anyone just sought the Lord, like, do we ever talk like that? Like, are you seeking the Lord? <laughs> like, that's a, it seems like that's a normal thing. Whenever anyone sought the Lord, they went to the tent of meeting. God's spirit is in you. How much more do we just get to seek the Lord? You seeking the Lord today? Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door. I already said all this, but this is Bible. So, and watch Moses until he'd gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. It's like this little footnote that Joshua's there, and Joshua's hanging out, right? And he's a young man. And in this moment, he's seeing this interaction with somebody who's gone before him, this interaction with God. And it's, it's compelling enough to him that he somehow knew that he needed to stay there for a while. Like he was in training ground with God. He needed to know God. And that's a really important thing as we talk about faith. Why am I talking about faith today? Because we're praying for five massive things that we need to believe God wants to do and can do and will do. Because God is moved by faith. He's moved by faith. I'm afraid much of our church tradition has spent a lot of time making sure people don't get their hopes up, has spent a lot of time making sure that people are okay if God doesn't answer their prayers. You know what? God doesn't answer our prayers according to how we. There is suffering and there is hurting. But we can know God at a level that he can put peace in our hearts through the midst of all that. Yet, don't spend all our time sitting on trying to make people's feelings not hurt because God won't answer their prayer. He's God. He knows what's best. We need to have faith that he can and he will answer. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up praying. That's why we're talking about faith because it's going to be a prayer of faith that moves the heart of God. I know that sounds so charismatic. <laughs> and some of you right now are just dying inside maybe. But it's the scripture. I can't read the scripture and look. You read the gospels, all of the gospels. Read them and see how God interacts with faith. Or vice versa, doesn't interact because of lack of faith. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. I've told this story it's been a while, though. Um, we, I was in a little prayer meeting with a small group of, of people, and, um, 
and I showed up a little bit late to this meeting, and there was an older lady who was quite a hoarder, and um, her, she was on her own, and, and her house was just a disastrous mess. She was trying to move, um, and we helped her a couple times, trying to organize some stuff. It's very, very difficult. Everything was sentimental. It was just this older lady on her own, and a very sweet lady, um, and uh, so we're at this prayer meeting, and she mentions this prayer request that uh, she, need, she needed to find her tax papers because she hadn't done taxes in years, and she needed to get these tax papers together for the last number of years, and, and I'm thinking of her house, like there's pathways through her house, of, of, and that's it, like boxes of stuff, right? And so, like, you just felt for this lady right away. And then there was this one guy at the prayer meeting, and he said, I really feel like someone specific needs to pray for this today. And as soon as he said that, there was this, like, faith born in me. And that's a gift. It's a gift of faith in the moment. And I prayed something I don't, like I'm not praying normally unless the Lord really shows me. And I prayed this, and I was like, God... I pray right now you send two angels to go to that house and collect those papers and find them ready for her. <laughs> and guess what happened? She got home and the papers, literally all of her tax papers were stacked on her counter. Goodness. That's God. And that's faith. It, and, but what I want to say is it felt, as I was praying, it was like saying it's as good as done right? And only God, through his Holy Spirit, can make that happen. What I'm not saying is you get to go around and force that to happen, right? It has to be according to the will of God. So those moments happen, okay? And then there's moments where we just need to rest on what he already said in his word. We need to rest in what he said in his word. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Oh, yeah, no, Hebrews 11.30. It's, it's, it's the hall of faith, right? Hebrews 11, and it's talking about all these patriarchs of Israel and how much faith they had and how that was what pleased God. And it says, you can look this up, it says, by faith, Jericho fell. How did it fall? It wasn't by walking, it wasn't by trumpets, it wasn't even by God's power that that was, it was God's power, but it was God's power enacted by faith. It says, by faith, Jericho fell. Joshua went in there because he knew God. And so that's the key for us to faith. As we're praying for these things, if you came to prayer on Wednesday night, which very few of you did, um, if you came to prayer on Wednesday night, what we did was we paused for 20 minutes and we said, God, we need your heart for these prayer requests. So we read Revelation 2, verses 1 to 7, which talks about, which Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus about them doing all this great ministry, but that they first forgot their first love, and so he's going to remove their lampstand. We need to get his heart for first love in order to pray for first love with sincerity and faith that he cares about it enough that he's going to answer. Make sense? We need faith. We need faith that God will move, that God will do. 
on behalf of our prayers. We have a responsibility to pray. Hebrews 11.6 that says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Do you want to please God? So then my question is, in, like this is just, this is for our church today. This is for the big five things we're praying for today, but it's about each person who follows Jesus. Like the righteous will live by faith. Our lives are lives of faith. Trusting in Jesus for the basics that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him. That we are saved by Jesus alone because of his great grace through faith. Right? Those things we are all, I I hope, living by faith. And that is, that is necessary. But there's some things as we go on in our life that we need to continue in faith on. And, and for, I think sometimes for fear of setting up an expectation where God's going to let us down or setting up an expectation where God might let somebody else down or what are they going to think of me, sometimes that's called wisdom and I call it unbelief, often. It's not. Sometimes it's wisdom in certain situations. You need to listen to one another. Maybe you heard God wrong on that one. That's okay. But lots of times, our safety in wisdom is unbelief. We need to believe the Lord when he says certain things. God responds to our faith and vice versa. Um, James 1, 5 to 8 James 1, 5 to 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. (laughs) Faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that man should not suppose that he should receive anything. That's the word of the Lord. For that person should not Suppose that they should receive anything. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's what James says. It's like when you're asking for stuff, and then you're like, oh, God probably won't come through anyway. Like, it's probably that God's not going to come through anyway. He wants us to trust him fully and just say, yeah, I'm all in for this, right? He wants us to be there. If you read the Gospels, as I said, the emphasis of faith in Jesus' interactions with people, I'd, I'd say it's like one of the main themes, honestly, as far as if we're looking at, if we're looking at how we interact with, with God. Um, not only for salvation, obviously for salvation, faith in Jesus, but for seeing the victory of the power of God over sin, over sickness and salvation, over the battle in the heavenly realms, We need faith. In Mark chapter 5, we have this story, and it's two kind of two stories happening at once. It's it's the synagogue leader, and his name is Jairus, and there's this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, and she is very unwell. And in the Jewish culture, she would have been absolutely outcast because she's unclean. And so 
in this, in this encounter, Jesus is going, because Jairus is now, he has a sick daughter who's dying. And in this encounter, now there's people, there's crowds crowding all around Jesus. And then he feels all of a sudden that this, this power went out from him, right? And he's like, stops in the midst of this. And he's like, whoa, who touched me? And his disciples, if he was living today, would be like, Jesus, are you kidding me, man? Everybody's touching you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Somebody like, somebody touched me. I, I felt healing go out. And he sees this woman. <laughs> I love this. I love this encounter. So he's, he's already, he's en route to go heal Jairus' daughter, right? He's on a mission already. He's willing to be interrupted here by this woman's faith. By this woman's faith. Mark chapter 5. Who touched my garments? He says. The woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear. She was healed, by the way. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. See, this Jesus was this coming Messiah. And people were expecting this coming Messiah who was coming to heal with healing in his wings, was prophesied of this man. She knew the promise, she knew the truth, and she didn't doubt it. She went for it. <clears throat> Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And then when he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house this Jairus guy, some who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So now Jairus' daughter has, has died in the busyness and the commotion of all this. This woman's healed, and that's awesome. And now Jairus' daughter is dead. And just like the emotion that happens. Like, like I'm a dad of six. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine where I'd be if I was Jairus right there. Like, are you kidding me? You stopped in this crowd, and now my daughter's dead? You, you, clearly, you could have done something here. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. That's what he said to Jairus. Do not fear, only believe. And then he goes with a smaller crew this time. He didn't let many people come with him. Uh, and he goes to the house, and there's people we wailing and weeping, and they were sad. And Jesus comes. He says, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in to where the child was. <clears throat> Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. For she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Amazement. But there was that line in there that somehow it was really important that he told Jairus, do not fear, only believe. You read the book, all the Gospels, and you see the interactions of healing that happen and demons that are cast out, and, and, and there's faith being enacted in those moments. Often. Not every time. Most often, though. Most often. It's amazing, then, in the very next chapter, uh, Jesus goes to his hometown. 
goes to be with his friends, with his family, the people that know him, this little town in the sticks where everybody actually knew who this guy was. Like, they knew Jesus in diapers Jesus, right? Just kind of like you knew me in, like, long hair, rock and roll, 18-year-old Josh, right? Right? You, I've been here a while. So he goes to where he's known, and he goes to Nazareth. And he goes there, and he, he's teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What's the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Like, we know his family. Who's this guy I think he is? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. It says, And he could, not do, or, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Well, that sounds like a mighty work. But apparently it was less than what he'd been doing so far. They didn't believe. They had no faith. In fact, in verse 6, it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. In another spot, when Jesus heals in the beginning of Matthew, when he heals the Roman centurion's servant, it says Jesus marveled at his faith. Like Jesus is impressed with his faith. Like Jesus was amazed at his faith. I want, I want to amaze Jesus and just say, yeah, Jesus, you said it, it's true. <laughs> and then step into everything then that he has said. First, obviously, in this word, but and he speaks and he leads and he guides, and we could sit here all day and swap testimonies. In fact, that's why I think testimonies are so powerful. In fact, that's part of what God gave Joshua. He says, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. Remember? And then I share a story like the one with the tax papers, and then you're like, oh, yeah, okay. God could do that. It's like, because we need to trust, right? I don't think he's here today. No, okay, good. So I'm going to, so I've been going to this auto mechanic. Many of you know him anyways. Um, I've been going to Ben to get our cars fixed because we drive cars that need fix all the time, apparently. And, and so we're, the guy I used to go to wasn't really working out anymore. And so I was asking around, I'm like, I need a good mechanic. So when you ask someone, maybe you move to a new area. When you ask someone for a good mechanic, um, what, when you're like, okay, I need a good mechanic, what do they normally say? You can trust them, right? It's like, it's not, it's not, uh, oh, this, this, this Ben guy, he's the best mechanic ever. He probably is going to be the best mechanic skills-wise you will ever have. No, the first thing everybody says is you can trust him. That means he's not going to rip me off. This is a commercial for Ben. You're welcome, Ben Van Steenbergen. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what this is about this morning um, great guy I do trust him um, you can trust him right but I don't know that but I know someone who does know that and how can you trust him well I know him 
right? How do you trust that guy? Well, well, I know that guy. He hasn't ripped me off in the past. He's always been honest, and he's done good work. So then you listen to someone's testimony about what has been good so far, and you're like, okay, I can maybe trust that. Cause, and it's the same with God, you guys. Like, people are wondering, and people are like, I don't know God. I don't know what he's like. I don't know if I can actually trust him, but we have testimony that we can share to people that are genuinely curious about whether this God thing is actually real or if it's just a big set of rules and it's just like drudgery. It's good news and it's life to the fullest. People, are, people have, everybody has their faith in something. You're trusting in something for your peace, for your joy, for your happiness. You're trusting in something. And we have the truth, the one something that will last for eternity. And it's the greatest pleasure and it's the greatest joy and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. In Mark chapter 9, coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, um, Peter and James and John, they were with Jesus and on the mountain, they come down and these guys, these disciples had already been given power to cast out demons and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And they get back down and Jesus sees them and there's this commotion going on and these people are like, what's up with your guys? They're supposed to be casting out demons. So the expectation was that that these disciples were supposed to be doing the same things Jesus had been doing because they already had been. And then they, they were, there was something happening here where they couldn't cast this demon out. It says, what, why are you, Jesus says in verse 16, what are you arguing about? Someone from the crowd answered him, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able and he answered them. This was his problem with the, what these guys were up to. This was his issue. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Sorry, like this is just the words of Jesus. Like this is obvious stuff. Like this is plain language, right? Doesn't take a PhD to figure this out. All things are possible for one who believes, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I think we all need to shout that out sometimes. I do believe, I so want to believe, and uh, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. What authority. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind 
cannot be driven out by anything but prayer, or subnote prayer and fasting. Some manuscripts say that. This kind cannot come out by prayer and fasting. Did Jesus, in that moment, when that boy was convulsing and that demon was manifesting himself, did Jesus stop and go have a prayer meeting and make sure he fasted and then come back to that boy? No, he commanded authority in the moment. He was prepared. He had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And what happens when you have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting is you know God. See, like, greater faith can only come with a greater knowing of God, a greater closeness of God. That's why Joshua was smart enough to stay in the tent for a long time, because he got to know God. He got to know that he is gracious and compassionate, that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He got to know that God is to be feared when you are not walking in the ways that he has set out. That he is a fearful and loving God. But that happens because Joshua was in the tent. Guess what? We get free access to the Father because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross. The veil was torn. We have access to him. And that Demon, spiritual power, and faith. Faith comes from knowing God. We go to prayer and fasting not to convince God of our own strength and be like, look what I'm doing for you, God. You got to act now. We go to God in prayer and fasting to get his heart, to get his heart in our heart so that we can pray in faith which amazes him, and he gives because he's a good father to his kids. That's how this Christian life works. That's how prayer and fasting works. So I'm not going to get to half of the stuff I wanted to today. Um, there's, we need faith. But we also need to just like look at, look at what God said. He said, seek first his kingdom and his, and, and his righteousness, and all these will be added to you. That When he's talking about don't be anxious for anything, what you'll eat, what you'll wear, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you're going to be taken care of. Like, I wish more people would take him up on that, especially in North America, where we're pretty good at just getting it ourselves. Like, would we seek his kingdom first instead of the comfort first? When he says all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, like that we can actually rest in that even a diagnosis, even hard times can be good as he is working primarily on our hearts more than anything. And that we can know that, yes, he is a God who does answer prayer and move miraculously as well. But we trust that in everything, it's good. See, our job is to love him, and his job is to work it out. Our job is to know him, and his job is to basically do everything else. And it involves strength, and it involves work, and all of those pieces. But like the real work, like the heart change, transformation, actually moving things work, he's doing it. And we have to have faith that he is. He is. 
anyone doubts, that person should not expect that they're going to receive anything from God. We need to have faith. He calls us to greater things. And he's calling this church. Honestly, you guys, like, if I can just go and share very briefly. He's calling this church. If you're at Pine Ridge, like, I'm, this is for you. And don't take this as like, I'm like a, this is like, I love you so much, let's do this together. It's not like a, you all suck, so step up. <laughs> don't hear it like that, okay? This is like, I love you so much, let's do this together. Okay? That's what this is. Okay? He is calling this church to greater things. He put, he put first love revival on my heart, and I believe he's putting it in some of your hearts, and it's going to increase. And we need to, at first it was loud and awesome, and like Jesus is speaking, that is what I want. And then this week in prayer, I'm like, I don't, like, people aren't really excited. I've been praying for this for years, God. Come on. Like, what's, what's the holdup? And, and I'm like, you got to be loud about it again, please. And he's like, I already was. You've just got to keep going. And that's faith, too. We're going to keep praying, no matter how long, until he says not to. And that's faith, too. Trusting him. Jesus is the great shepherd. He leads, we follow. You know, we, we, he said we would receive power from on high to live this life for his kingdom, and that his kingdom would continue to increase. The world around us is a, is a big mess. We all know it. We all see it. Don't sit there and stare only at the mess. When the darkness gets darker, which the scripture's clear that things are going to go sideways, like we will be persecuted. Jesus is worth it. But at the same time, his kingdom will increase. Simultaneously, evil will get more evil and his kingdom will increase. Of his government and of peace, there will be increase. There will be no end. There will be no end. So we fear God and we please him with faith. We need to come as a church to faith that revival can actually happen that it's actually God's heart. I encourage you to show up to prayer meeting. Like, we literally just spent 20 minutes on our own, like, looking at the scripture to get his heart. And then we prayed together, and it was such a good prayer time. But we need more of us praying. You have a responsibility. It's not just the pastor. We're the church. We're praying where that triple seven seater would be a place where Jesus actually saves souls. Like, we're not just praying that the church has a program, so we're like, whoa, cool, the church has another program. Look at them, they have two buildings? Who cares? Jesus saves souls, and he's going to do it. But we got to pray. we got to have faith, and we got to step out when he says obey. <laughs> I've been praying for about a year, that God would have a beautiful coffee shop for less than $10,000. That would be a miracle, just so you know. We've had about $40,000 worth of stuff donated so far that we didn't even ask for. <laughs> We're praying 
that God would make a coffee shop happen there for under $10,000. Like, let's get specific. We're also praying that stat, 400 people worship in Springfield, an RM of 17,000 people, 400 people worship Jesus in this RM. Like, I know people go to the city, so that's always the argument. Well, people commute. It's like, but there's 400 people worshiping Jesus here today. An RM of 17,000 people. Like, thank God for 400 people, but there's way more people that Jesus loves that need to be worshiping him. I'm praying for 100 more people at this church in two years. And if you're visiting here and you know me, and you don't know me, I mean, if you do know me, you know this statement. I give no rip about numbers. (laughs) I give a lot to faithfulness to Jesus. But Jesus loves people and wants them in his family. And he's going to use us. So we're praying for more worshiping in Springfield. We're praying for leaders in the church, but not only leaders. We're praying for godly servant leaders. We're not praying about managers and CEOs. We're praying about people like Jesus, people who pray and fast to see the Lord move in their ministries. That's who we want to see. So we're praying for that now, that God would raise those people up. And we're praying that each ministry is blessed by those who are leading, and those who need it are so blessed. We're praying that prayer meetings, I'm praying that prayer meetings become the gathering that we get most excited for. Because we actually, that, like, that actually our hearts would be stirred because in greater measure in those meetings, we meet with God <laughs> together. This is just a primer to get you to God, by the way. Like Sundays, we celebrate what he's done in the week, and then I prime you to get you to God. Like, this isn't it. Like, you get to meet with him on your own all week, anytime. And we get to do that together as we gather in corporate prayer. Praying for way more people making prayer a priority at home and also gathering together to see God move on behalf of his people's prayers. I can already tell you that, worship team, you're not going to come up today. But I want us to, can you throw the prayer slides on there, Oliver? Okay. We're going we're gonna to listen in prayer for a moment. This prayer is a conversation. And it's okay if you don't feel like God's speaking, but we want to practice this, okay? Maybe this is new to you. We believe that the Lord speaks. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to lead us in, in some listening prayer, and we're going to ask that during that three days of prayer and fasting, We're just going to ask for a personal request that God would give you. Maybe you already got it. You're like, I know what I'm praying for. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe you have, like I said, a wayward kid. I don't know your situation, but I know that you need to be asking God for some stuff because we all do. And so we're going to listen. And then during those three days, I want you to just be intentionally praying for that thing. And we're going to trust that because God lays it on our heart, that he actually cares about it and wants to do something about it. We're going to stick with it, okay? So I'm going to lead us in that first. And then that's going to be when we all pray together. That's going to be the second point that you pray for, okay? We also need to just stop and thank God because he, what did I say at the beginning? He's so stinking good. <laughs> We're going to pray for Oak Bank Baptist Church. 
and we're going to pray for triple seven seater. That's what we're going to pray for today. So bow your heads. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal to each one in this room something that we can have great faith for. I pray, I do ask, I, I ask for the gift of faith. I ask that you would increase that in your church. Lord, I ask that what your word says about faith would actually get grip our hearts and our minds, that we would know that we can trust you and that you're moved by faith, that we would stop making excuses and be scared of being wrong or being scared of even you not answering because when you don't answer, you know what's best. So Lord, as we consider praying and fasting, Lord, would you highlight something for each person that they need to personally pray for here this morning. Let's spend a moment listening to Jesus. Invite us. Invite you to stand. Is there any prayer music that we could throw on today? Yeah? If we can get some prayer music up. You guys know the drill. Let's uh, let's pray out loud together. Thank God for something. He's awesome. Ask for that personal prayer point and these other couple things, knowing that God cares, that he hears, and he wants to move. Let's pray together, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love for us, that you came and you gave yourself for us. Thank you for your great grace. Lord, we bow our knees to you now. We say you have all authority and power and honor and glory. They belong to you. Lord, that plays out in our lives. And so, Lord, help us just be students of this word and not let our minds mess it up and come up with all sorts of excuses, but just say, this is what it says, so let's step into it. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we fall short, Lord, increase faith in us. Let's share testimonies. Lord, I pray for a, a, a loosing, a 
freeing of, of sharing of testimony. No more false pride or like it's your story. Let it be yours. Let it build faith in one another, Lord. And so, Lord, we're praying for all of these things in your name, who knows so much more and who cares so much more. So we love you and we'll walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.